doesn't seem like we're wrapping up yet. <laughs> what? Hello? Joe, you're not muted. Oh, my gosh. I'm not? <laughs> no, no. So we'll just, we can hear you sighing and clicking. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This episode is sponsored by Hired.com. Every week on Hired, they run an auction where over a thousand tech companies in San Francisco, New York, and LA bid on JavaScript developers, providing them with salary and equity up front. The average JavaScript developer gets an average of five to 15 introductory offers and an average salary offer of $130,000 a year. Users can either accept an offer and go right into interviewing with the company or deny them without any continuing obligations. It's totally free for users, and when you're hired, they also give you a $1,000 bonus as a thank you for using them. But if you use the JavaScript Jabber link, you'll get a $2,000 bonus instead. Finally, if you're not looking for a job but know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get a $1,337 bonus if they accept a job. Go sign up at Hired.com slash Adventures in Angular. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 108 of the Adventures in Angular podcast. Today on our panel, we have Ward Bell. Hello. We've also got Stephen Fluin. Hey there. John Papa. Hello, everyone. Lucas Rubelke. Hello, everyone. And I'm your host, Joe Eames. And as a special guest, we have on our podcast, and I'm just going to butcher the your name, so I'm not even going to try. Will you uh, <laughs> tell us what your name, pronounce your name for us? Uh, well, my, my name is Tor Gear, but uh, most people just call me Tor. It's it's easier that way and easier to remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we still want to hear it, Tor. Give it to us. Yeah. Tor Gear. And, and and your last name? Uh, Helga Vold. Helga Vold. That, that's, that's the accent. That's the that's a mouthful, right? That, that, is that Samoan? <laughs> it's uh, it's Norwegian. Norwegian. Oh, I was close. Yep. You were close. Yeah. The topic today is web workers, but before we get into that, it'd be good to get a little background on you. Yeah, my name is Tor, uh, and I currently uh, work for ADP in uh, New York City, and the project I'm working on is taking a large Angular one five application and migrate it over to. Um, 2.0. So that's kind of how I got started with Angular 2, that I was kind of preparing for that. And in addition to that, I, I do some work on the Angular I.O. site. I'm an author on the ng-doc team. In addition to that, I do my own blog where I do put some samples and, and some blog posts about Angular 2. And uh, yeah, that's, that's like a light summary. So we want to talk about web workers, but we definitely need, it's one of those topics that a lot of listeners are going to be, you know, they maybe they've heard of them, maybe they haven't. So I think we should definitely get a good introduction to what web workers are and why we are even talking about them on an English show. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I started by doing a, a, a quick POC uh, using Angular because one of the things that I like about Angular is that they've kind of abstracted the framework from the runtime environment. So it can, you can take the same code and run it in multiple environments. And, you know, one of those environments is web workers. So I did a POC on my blog where I took, you know, hosted an app in a web worker and just to see how it would work. And, you know, very, I was very happy to see that you can pretty much write the code the way you normally would if you were targeting, targeting a browser. And, you know, I, I don't know if I have 
a good use case right now in my project for a web worker, but it's nice to know because at least what it does is it kind of adds, like JavaScript, you know, it's single threaded, so you can't really have like something like it run a heavy computation on that thread because your UI will be uh, non-responsive during that time. So, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity to kind of bring multi-threading, if you will, to JavaScript where you can offload that computation to another thread in the browser that doesn't hang the 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 UI thread that you you know you still want the user to be able to interact with your app. Tor, could you give us uh, just to kind of set the ground rules for uh, web workers? You kind of describe what they do, but can you describe some scenarios that you commonly use them for? That uh, if they weren't there, like what would happen? Yeah, so I mean, if you were to run some computation that would take you know several seconds, right? I'm, the, my example in my blog post isn't really that. It's it's kind of a what I do is I calculate n factorial. In, in the background, and that's not going to take that long to run. But if you had something a little bit more longer running that you want, let's say you want to run some computation and get a result back, and it would take you know maybe uh, several seconds to get the result back, then you could offload that, send that computation out to the web worker, and have it tell you when it's done, and you could have your UI still be responsive. So let me ask you, like, throw a scenario out here. I frequently have a need to find. Uh, a prime number of over 100 digits. It happens to me all the time in, in typical programming. <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Every whiteboard problem is on. What's that, Lucas? Every time you, I said every time you interview, you just have to solve that problem. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, and usually like a, a nice, a typical CRUD forms app needs something like that. So is that an example <laughs> of some time when you might want a web worker? Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a, that's a good example. There's a... Um, there's even a YouTube video about that scenario. I think that's the most used uh, example to showcase when you want web workers. Always something with prime numbers and, and uh, long-running computations. So, yeah, I think, you know, that that's one example. You said that the web, if we need a web worker when you have a single long-running um, computation. If I had a lot of small computations that together added up into a long-running computation, but, you know, maybe I'm, I have to calculate a couple, a couple thousand uh, things and they're all separate. Is that a time when I would use a web worker? Well, I mean, to me, it, I think that the the best use case if you have something that will take a long time because if it, if it doesn't take a long time, then you could might as well just run it in your. If it's just a small, basically a uh, short running process, I, I I'm not really sure if that's actually the use case where web workers shine. And this is Stephen. Uh, I'll chime in here. Um, one of the, the kind of classic examples of a web worker when they, they first came out from the, the Chrome team was in doing kind of mapping things. So they were actually rendering routes on a map at the same time as still allowing you to move around and interact with the map. So by doing all of the routing um, and navigation and computation on that web worker, you could be doing kind of incremental renders um, at the same time as not blocking the, the user interface at all. So I guess what, I, what I'm struggling with, and I, I've read some of these as well, and I've I've used them in a few cases, but what I'm struggling with is it sounds great to say, hey, I've got some long-running process that I need to do something, and I don't want to block the UI thread, but when does this really come to help me? Like, if I've got some kind of data application, and I'm entering, a let's say, an order entry, and I've got to enter tons of orders. I'm on the phone with a customer, and I'm entering in, let's say, they're buying uh, soda. I'm entering different rows and lots of data, and every time I enter data, it's doing some calculation to recalculate shipping costs and inventory numbers and things like that. But I want to keep moving along. Is that a place where WebWorker would help me, or is that still too simplistic? 
Well, it might help if you were doing something that was where your user experience was very um, sort of spreadsheet like. And so single value changes in a certain place uh, set off a cascade of calculations that were updating other place, other cells in the grid. And so that, that you know, uh, conceptually could happen um, with like with an inventory app, inventory. Yeah. Pardon? Like an inventory type app, maybe. Exactly. So I, I think that that's probably a place where uh, there is benefit. Stephen had a couple other suggestions. I think I think one of the things that can I've seen that can kill you a little bit is if you do some heavy duty JSON parsing in the client, right? On the client, right? Yeah. So you got a whole bunch of stuff back, and you didn't uh, you didn't want to tie up the the UI thread while you're turning that into JavaScript objects. So you could farm that out to uh, JSON parsing. So would like, this help things like like Breeze Ward? Uh, like if Breeze and the client, let's say I got back some massive uh, object graph, and then I wanted to parse the heck out of it with something like Breeze, uh, a data tool. Would using a web worker help something like that be make it more responsive? Well, I can say that it's something that we're going to look into, see what can be done there, because there's a fair amount of calculation involved in trying to find for for a large cache to try and find out uh, what parts. Uh, are really updated by a most recent download of information and stuff like that. So I think that there's an opportunity to do it. Uh, but as uh, Tor will no doubt tell us, that one of the challenges is not just getting the work going over there, but communicating values back and forth across the boundary between that other thread and the UI thread. Tor, maybe you can tell us what's you know, what's involved, what what has to cross that boundary, and what shape is that stuff that crosses that? Yeah, so the way I did it in my uh, POC is that Angular offers these uh, message brokers where you initiate a channel between kind of the, uh, the main, like the UI thread and the um, web worker thread, and they can pass messages to each other then back and forth. And that's how you, that's how my... Uh, simple app works i basically send pass in a number from the ui thread to the web worker saying okay give me n factorial and then when it's done calculating that it spits back out the uh the result so they, they have a uh, an infrastructure in place for that to send messages back and forth but what i find even more impressive is is the whole how the um web worker code updates the UI because they, a web worker doesn't have access to the DOM directly, but when you write the Angular code in the web worker, it, it basically is as if you're writing a regular component. Uh, you write your views, your, your change tracking, your whatever UI element you put on there, you do it as if you were doing it the normal way. So I, I find that to be pretty interesting and pretty impressive. Well, I think it's I think it's important to what we're really trying to do is lay the groundwork for. We often talk about technologies and how awesome these features are, but taking a step back on why we all feel like web workers are such a great thing in Angular two and what those use cases are. And we've we've listed a few of them now. Um, the interesting part is if you look at other technologies like let's say iOS or mobile development or even like Silverlight, which I did six seven years ago. Um, those kind of things, client technologies, all had a similar type of concept where you had to get off that UI thread to do something and then get back on it. Otherwise, you killed that user experience. And in the web, we off had, it was always difficult to do that. Are web workers making that easier with Angular 2? And if so, how? 
like I said, I, I'm also kind of trying to find real scenarios where it actually will benefit me a lot. But I, but it does seem to usually come back to that, you know, that, that whole try to offload and keep your, your thread responsive. And I think that's kind of generally in, in, in UI development, you, you usually come back to that even like, let's say, in a uh, multi-threaded environment where you have, uh, let's say, a WPF app in, 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 in uh, .NET, you, you generally would do certain, like in there, the, the infrastructure is a little bit more, it's it's a little bit more like easier to to um, to work with and a little bit more streamlined, but it, it is the same concept. Like if if you have to do something that will take a while to complete, and you you want to prevent the the main UI thread from being blocked, I think it it comes back to that use case 